Welcome to Invest Stories. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking for that next step or a newbie investor not sure where to start, Invest Stories unlocks the mindset, strategies, and techniques of high performers across business, real estate, and investing to help you level up your journey to financial freedom. This is Invest Stories. Hey, welcome to uh, this is kind of a unique podcast. Mine's frozen. Is yours frozen? I, um, I, you look frozen. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I'll edit this. That's fine. We'll, oh, we leave it in. If it went bad, we left it in. <laughs> so welcome to This is kind of a special podcast. This is a co-brand with Cedar and Porch Real Estate Investing Podcast and Investories Podcast. And with me is Shona Lepis. Hi, Shona. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm excited to be here. I love nerding out on real estate investing and everything. So I'm really excited to chat. Thanks for having me. Shona has her own show. Um, She's also kind of a wizard at seller financing, midterm rentals, and um, kind of the connection of the two. And that's kind of what we're going to talk through today. Piece of it. Definitely. Oh, go ahead. Oh, those are my favorite topics. (laughs) That's that's your, like, tick, tick, tick. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the first piece is, um, you know, your you you're growing your brand and you know i don't want to say brand as a bad word brand is a good word especially when there's authenticity i i know shona i know what she's about and i know how authentic she is and and kind of her her access and her information that she shares is is super kind of knowledgeable and super useful and and she's really gracious in in sharing that um so it's not a bad thing but i kind of i guess my we talk a lot about mindset i wanted to get under the skin of kind of the is that been a conscious thing over the last few years in terms of growing that growing that cedar and porch brand but also there's the shona buys homes brand is that kind of been a uh, is there a master plan or is it like this is kind of necessity and just driving it forward those are all really good questions so where do i start i'm going to start like from the start beginning, from the beginning. so um you know i I'll try and be short, but I've, I've been a landlord like a very long time and I used to be very private about it because I thought I'd be like egged or judged or, <laughs> you know, not, you know, like shamed somehow. So I was very like secretive. You know? <laughs> and then um, I just I did some courses and I kind of was like, you know what, I'm a good landlord. I take care of things. And I so I kind of not to say came out of the closet, but I've been a lot more public. So I used to not be like this. And it was very like just being able to say I'm a real estate investor. With, with no kind of squirming, has <laughs> <laughs> been like a sitting with that. Um, so yeah, and then the names, so Cedar and Porch is kind of my umbrella brand. I actually used the naming service, Frozen Lemons, because um, it was hard. All the names I liked were taken. <laughs> and then the Shona Buys House, this is more like the off-market SEO juice kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I think it's it's been, you know, being public about what you're doing. I feel like I'm doing it for the right reasons and I'm really passionate about it. So it comes easy to talk about mm-hmm. it. But I think when you're starting out, people often feel kind of squirmy or like it sounds like your money bags or something, you know, when you say investors. <laughs> so, but it has been a bit of a being so public. It's a little uncomfortable, I'll be honest, like putting myself out there like I do. So. I totally, I, I feel the same. I totally get that. I think the other thing is like, um, there's a for me there's often like a cor- a, a miscorrelation of like a, a polished kind of product out there and then yourself and you're like well this is all a bit is it all a bit marketingy <laughs> and so that's really interesting yeah. but you know with with what's out there with Canva like we're recording this today and we're able to to broadcast this out to the entire world 
so why not right <laughs> I guess that I don't know if there's a question yeah. there but why not yeah no the technology it's it's pretty crazy but no I do I call it you know I call it my PR when I'm putting myself out there like I when I have a bad day I just I stay off social. <laughs> I don't need to talk about that. So, um, it is a little bit. We're all putting our best foot forward, right? Um, but but I think I think people should talk about more what they're doing and not not be nervous about it. And it just but it takes some you know it's kind of raising your uh, thermometer mm-hmm. so to speak a little bit. So in in terms of what what I think shines through and and a lot of great real estate investors we we've had a lot on the show and. I say that kind of polish, that branding, but what shines through is authenticity. And I, I think the two kind of fit together. I, I quite like that concept that, hey, why not? If you're if you're telling a good story and it's the truth, then why not do it with a bit of a bit of polish? Is that something you've had to work at? Do you have a team behind you pulling the strings? What does that look like? No, I'm, I'm like a, right now I'm pretty small operation. It's just mostly me. Um, but I, you know, I think part of it was also like when I'm, you know, I have a turnover, I didn't used to talk about, oh, I repaired all this stuff. And then when I talk about it, it makes kind of shows like, Hey, I am, I am a very intentional landlord. I do like to maintain my property. So part of it was like convincing myself that I, I'm not this evil landlord, you know, but, um, and I do believe, like, my background's in design and marketing, and I've always been of the the kind of value-driven marketing. Like, I used to really, back when blogging was, like, the thing, like, leading with tons of value, and then hopefully that leads to other things. But to me, it just feels more natural to be, I guess, authentic. Or I have to, when I share something, I'm usually kind of excited about it. I have to have that little inspiration. You know, I'm not just forcing content for the sake of content. I That's so cool. Let's, let's talk about um, your, your backstory, actually. So was there a moment you pivoted from, you said you worked in design and marketing. Did you pivot from that intentionally? Was it, was this always the plan? Was there an escape the W2 or? <laughs> no. So, um, so uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. As someone once put it, like, you're an outside cat, you know, I'm kind of feral. <laughs> <laughs> Go back inside, you know? So, um, you know, and so I, you know, I grew up in California and this is going to sound funny. And I, I thought I'll never own a house. It's so expensive. You know, fixtures were just insane. And then growing up, my, my parents had, a, you know, they had a vacation rental business. My dad always said, I will give you money for a house, but not a wedding. I don't know why he said that, but I always have. <laughs> You can't live in a wedding. So knew, yes, exactly. Right. You can't, so now I tell that to my kids. But so I moved to Portland in a long time ago, like 2005. The market was really different. Bought my first house. And then I saw that I'm like, oh, my God, I just gained like 40K of equity, you know, just and it was like this light bulb. I'm like, I, I knew there was something there, but I was kind of nervous about tapping it. And then so but after that, I kind of started slowly building a rental portfolio um, just kind of very slowly, very traditionally, but I'm a big fan of leveraging your own equity with like HELOCs and whatnot, like one house bought this house, the whole thing. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think of myself as an investor. I just saw opportunity, I suppose. And then uh, we had a creative agency and then we sold that and they acquired me for about a year. And I just, again, I was too, I didn't work out. Um, so then the Facebook algorithm caught me. <laughs> I did a course because <laughs> I didn't realize I thought to be in real estate, you either had to have a ton of money or you had to be like an agent. And I, you know, I thought about that, but that didn't really speak to me like the investor stuff does. And I love the creative part of it. So I did a course and the rest is kind of history. What, what was the course? So, 
Um, it was like, of course, for uh, women real estate investors, like the focus was, I mean, it was very, it was a good foundation and it made, I, I've been exposed to a lot of, you know, Bigger Pockets fan, right? A lot of the concepts, but it talked a lot about private money lending and flipping mm-hmm. and wholesaling. And so it was very, it was very good and it's a great community. And then I've done other courses and so I'm a big fan of courses. <laughs> hey, investing so, in your education yeah. is one of the most powerful things, right? It's, uh, it's kind of, kind of key to success. It really is. And I think that the communities that go along with those courses, too, I think are really valuable and just as much as, you know, whoever's teaching it. So, yeah, I think one of the things is then the the belief it gives you taking a course, even if it's a couple of hundred bucks. It's like, yes, I Mm -hmm. can do this. I don't know if you have that same feeling, but that's a constant doubt in my mind, to be to be honest. No, it is. And I think, yeah, it gives you this toolbox, right? And there's always more tools and you have this toolbox of things to do and community. And when you have a question, they're there. So I'm a big fan. Like I, I would not be where I am now without having done courses. And the, all the information is out there, right? Like I've done a lot of self-education. I'm a huge podcast fan. I read a lot of books, but I think there's something about having like a program and having something taught in a certain way. And like we're both, we've done the same courses, right? I, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, in terms of, so I guess your your kind of primary um, acquisition strategy is probably seller financing. Is that is that fair? It is. Yeah, I've done some. I do like DSCR loans. You know, if it makes sense. Um, but yeah, seller financing is it's just such a win win. And I, you know, I don't love underwriting. I don't love banks. <laughs> so, you know, all the reasons we all know. So, <laughs> so yeah. In terms of how that's changed over the last sort of twelve months. Is it is it more competitive? Are you finding more challenges, or is it are people more amenable to seller financing? What what does the market look like? That's a good question. I mean, I it really depends on the person and kind of what their mm-hmm. motivations are. I think there's still I don't think the expectations of value have kind of caught up with the current market. So you know, I don't think like we're I think we're all expecting this. There is opportunity, but it's not like what I think we thought it was going to be. So I think it really depends individually um, as a whole. Um, I think you know, with the interest rates being high, mm-hmm. obviously there's a the, there's a lot more space for that creative stuff for sure because you know it's harder to sell things are sitting longer there's a lot more concessions you have to make so in that sense yeah i think there's more opportunity yeah i i think you're i'm with you on that in terms of like the the prices at the moment and then reality i think still there's like a void in between them still (laughs) yeah so a, a guy um refurbed one of the houses in the top of our neighborhood and it's kind of over the freeway but they've done an amazing job of it um, but he put it on for like 2.4 million. And we, we sat around saying, really? He's, he's since lowered it, but <laughs> right. it's like, we should, we better get ready to refurb our house and sell <laughs> if you're going to get 2.4 right. million. Uh, so I just yeah. feel like, I, I don't know, I guess it's it's kind of affordability driven. Like how much can people keep creeping up that percentage and that payment? So that's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I... I guess there's been a kind of race to seller financing post kind of rate increases. And that's, yeah. For sure, yeah. And I think there's just, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I think it's really like taking the time to get to know the seller. Is it a good fit? Like what do they, you know, do they want the passive income? Do they have a capital gains issue? Like, I mean, it's not right. I think sometimes you want to shoehorn that into someone's, 
kind of like, you know, reason for selling. But when I've done it, it really made just, it was a perfect fit. And I wasn't trying to sell them on it, right? And it was a good solution for them. So I think I had that light bulb a while ago. I'm like, oh, actually, this is really a win-win. I'm really helping them. They get passive income. They're postponing their, you know, their capital gains tax. So it's not always a perfect fit. Sometimes people have, they need the money. They just want the cash. You know, it's, it's not, even if it makes sense on paper, it may not be right for the Yeah, seller, that's really right? interesting. It has to work for the seller, right? They, they would take a little bit less money and the, the money straight away. That's really interesting. Is there a, is there a typical kind of scenario in Portland for seller financing or is it kind of all the different variables? All the different, you know, I think it's usually kind of the tired landlord, like the one, you know, the one I, the last one I did, I got this call and she was just immediately like, I never wanted this house as a rental. I hate the tenants. <laughs> she was just like, and we, you know, we went in and talked to her and she was just like, I don't want to pay capital gains. And it was, it wasn't even like selling and it just, it just, it was a solution, right? I feel like we have this toolbox and you have sub two and you have lease options and you have like just, you know, and then you're like, oh, well, this is, this might fit for what you're looking for. So you have to really get to know the seller. And there's like, there's obviously like signs, right? Like if they bought it 30 years ago and they paid $40,000 and it's worth $600,000, like that tax bill. And a lot of times it's these tired landlords that are in there, maybe they're older and they're kind of ready to move on, but they've worked really hard on their property. And like, it's kind of their, they don't really want to mm-hmm. give that much away to the government, right? Which is understandable. And, and you know, and, and if they're savvy, like they're actually going to make a lot more money kind of being the bank, yeah. right? So it's that tired landlord avatar i suppose you know that are interested in doing that's really interesting yeah i think the the tired landlord piece is interesting i spoke to a a guy who was offering seller financing um but since rescinded it and he was just he just wanted to downsize he had a bunch of properties and wanted to just downsize to one or two and not sweat day-to-day management sort of (laughs) thing so that was that was really cool to like be part of that yeah yeah no, definitely. I was going to say something else about, um, oh, I forgot. I'll think of it. Sorry, I just <laughs> forgot. About it. But it's not for everyone. And again, I think you, and you also don't want to, you know, I think as investors, we like go on property, like, oh, it's free and clear. So you don't want to come in and like lead with mm-hmm. that, right? You want to get to know the seller and then if it, and then kind of come back and say, hey, here's a couple offers. You know, you could say, here's the cash offer. And as we know, that's well below market and here's another offer. And so, I think not just springing it on people because it's also built on rapport and a lot of trust, mm-hmm. right? Because you're in a relationship with this person for a long time. So I think that's our instinct to be like, oh, and there's a seller financing and, you know, here's all the bells and whistles, right? If those if those signs are there. So I think just slowing down a little bit with that. Too. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to find that right person and then kind of just, just slowly broach it, not just jump in with two feet saying, can, can you be the bank? Yeah. How do you, yeah? yeah right. How do you educate uh, set potential sellers on what it is and what it isn't? I guess. Well, I think yeah, it, it kind of depends on the audience. Like, speak, you know, who you're mm-hmm. talking to. A lot of times, and I don't want to be, you know, people that are in their 60s and 70s. It, I think it used to be more common when rates were higher, so they kind of know that you're like owner carry, like what installment plan. They they're often familiar with that. Sometimes they even bought like that. So I think kind of seeing explaining it in a way like you know, hey, 
there's a lot of value to this that you're, you're going to, if you own or carry this, you'll get a down payment or however you negotiate that. You're actually going to make, you know, you know, true passive income, right? When that, like yesterday I got a call, the toilet was leaking and it's like that classic that I got my plumber out, but you don't, you actually, and I think people go into real estate, they want passive income, but it is far from passive, right? So it's true passive income. It's secured by an asset. Like you put your money in the stock market, right? It can go up and down and we all know in the mm -hmm. long run, it's going to do well, but it's, to me, it's a lot of risk. So it's it's secured, you know, it's a way to potentially pass on like generational wealth that note gets passed on with the beneficiary. You know, I think the big lever is capital gains, right? Um, and a lot of times maybe, you know, you have, you don't want a big pile of money in the bank. You just want that consistent mm -hmm. income. Like that's why you probably had a rental because you liked that idea. But this is actually the, I mean, the most passive form of real estate income, you know, and you have to show, you know, show yourself, like show, make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you have to sell yourself a bit, right? Cause they are, it is a relationship and they want, you want to make sure that you're making that note payment and being responsible. Right. Yeah. I like that. I think, um, the, yeah, the challenge is like just that educational piece and not scaring people, not spooking people with it. So building that relationship absolutely, uh, is, is, is yeah. paramount to that. Um, but I will say, no, go oh, go it. ahead. Sorry. I did get one call. I was with my son in the car and it was a voicemail and he started out, I will only sell an owner carry. <laughs> I was like, oh Ding. my God. It was just, <laughs> I was like, I just about squealed. My son's like, oh my God. <laughs> but he knew he was very savvy and that's how they wanted to sell. So there are sellers that they, you know, for all the reasons we talked about, that's how they actually want to sell. So yeah, that's, that's kind there. of, that's my next deal I want to do is own, at least with some owner carry. Um, and try otherwise the, the financials just don't make sense on most of the things I'm looking at right yeah they don't and the other thing is you know you can underwrite like interest only right and or more so you can make you know the interest only payments and then add some principal but oftentimes to make something pencil in an expensive market that's really an option that you can look I think at. The, the other thing you said about the stock market the other thing I I don't particularly like on the stock market is I have very little control Whereas a property's performance, there is a little bit of control. Obviously, there's market headwinds and tailwinds, but it's yeah, it's very difficult to 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 control the stock of Tesla, right? The price. <laughs> exactly. I can go to a property and I can fix the roof, or I can improve it. I can screen tenants in a way. I, I that's what I like about real estate is I can control it. Somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get you on that. I I buy stocks for my little one. She's three. And um, so that's good. Okay. But eventually we will buy houses. For <laughs> it's just going to take some time. <laughs> Leave it with me. Yeah. Right. Um, so I wanted to, the, a couple of other things we, we had on our list. One was midterm rentals. So you're kind of, is pivoting a fair way to say it? Or you're kind of moving into the mid -rent, midterm rental space, which we've had Jesse Vasquez on and, and a bunch of other people talking about MTR. Jesse is Jesse's great. Awesome. Yeah. So I, um, I have a mix of long-term and midterm, right? So I, I used to have long-term that I had some Airbnbs and for, I mean, all the reasons I think we hear of like the SDR regulations can change on a dime, you know, I, that's just, there's like high maintenance gas. It's just constant turnover, like as landlords, right? Like, I think we all don't like turnover. It's one of the things we can't agree on. Mm -hmm. It's just our least favorite part of being in real estate. So I kind of stumbled on the midterm strategy because um, of my Airbnbs when COVID hit. I think that's how a lot of people got into it. It was just like everything kind of stopped for a minute. We're like, what, you know, what do we do? And then I realized like I was looking at my numbers. 
I just like the midterm space because it's that sweet spot between like the long-term rent and the short-term rent. Like we all know short-term is like the best way to maximize. But to me, it's like three to four turnovers a year. I can really maximize my rent and it's providing a lot of value to people. And so it just feels like that right strategy. And I know it's not right for everything. Sometimes like if I have a really nice property, you know, I'll just keep it long-term. So I kind of like the blend of having a long-term and midterm, but for me, it, it, it just kind of made sense and I kind of evolved into it, but yeah. And where are you, where are your midterm rentals? So I'm in Portland and I'm in like North, Northeast Portland, which isn't, ex- I mean, they're fine, but they're not like super fancy <laughs> areas. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. And who populate, who do you find your tenants are? Yeah. So, you know, I would say the majority, like 70% is traveling nurses and they're here on contract. They have a stipend. They're paid really well. But I do get the kind of digital nomads, right? I think COVID opened up remote work. So they'll just, they kind of hop around. They can work somewhere for three months as long as they have good internet and a desk, right? So there's the digital nomads and the nurses. And I've had, you know, guests sometimes where they were doing work on their house or I've had, you know, families come in, like grandparents come for three months to be close to their family. That's cool. Um, I haven't done a lot of insurance claims. Yeah, it's really, and so that's kind of, it's a pretty broad spectrum of, of you know, avatars that, that look into midterms. It's not just like the nurses that a lot of people talk about. Yeah, we've, and we've talked about this on the show a few times, which is, so my house in San Diego is near all the hospitals. It's a three, two. And I'm like, if we moved out, would we midterm rent it? I guess we could try it. Hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just don't know. It's kind of funky like that. It's like, uh, I, I, it's hard to prove the data, I guess. There's no price labs for midterm rentals. Right. Well, I hear they're working on that. I actually have a call with someone from Price uh, Labs. Okay. So nice. I just reached out and I was like, I'm, I hear there's something in the works. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's, you kind of have to start with your long term and then kind of, but so what I do, I call my A-B test because I've had long terms and I was like, kind of wanted to convert them. So I um, like digitally stage it or use AI to stage it. Then I'll put an ad out for like, here's a furnished rental and here's a long-term ad. And I kind of wow, see Wow, so you A-B test the ads. Where, and where do you test mm-hmm. them? So I'll usually, for furnished, I'll put it on like Furnished Finder, maybe like Zillow. And then I'll put, you know, the long-term ad on different spots. And, and every time I've done that, the furnish has won out. But it's kind of like, let's, and, then, and I don't furnish it until I actually, you know, I'll have a contract. I'm like, okay, you know, I, it'll justify the upfront cost. So that's how I've kind of manage that like because it is an upfront cost right so that's what I've done and I'm you know upfront like hey this is staged virtually it will be staged and most people are fine with that right I'm always really yeah I like the transparency that's pretty good that's really clever I'm gonna try that when I go down that route it's still (laughs) yeah it's really it's really still scary but I think that validates it a bit um and are your most of your Mm -hmm. units are, are kind of smaller or they houses or so, yeah, you know, my first couple were small, like, well, you know, one of them is like a one, one is under 400 square feet, which is pretty small. And then I, you know, I do have like a three, two actually. And it's funny that one I've had mostly college kids staying there. Right. And the last one, I lowered the rent a bit, but they've stayed for a year, right. In a fully furnished house. So I was able to charge a premium and not have turnover Very for cool. a year. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other piece um, that's interesting is then how the seller financing plays with the midterm rental. And I guess you've kind of touched upon that, which is just kind of running numbers, best case, worst case. Um, is is that is there anything else you do? 
Yeah, I think, you know, when you're underwriting, you're like, I think as investors or, you know, as Jeff Stevens would say, like real estate entrepreneurs, and I do like that kind of, you know, you're kind of looking at the potential of a property, the expandability of it, so to speak. So, you know, is there a basement unit that you can rent out? You know, how are you essentially maximizing your property? So I think when you're just underwriting, you know, a lead, you're like, well, if this went midterm, I think it's just like any other deal, but it often can make the numbers work. If you can get a better rate and, you know, make sure you have a, you know, monthly payment that works and you get go midterm, it's going to cash flow like way mm-hmm. better than like a long-term, right? So I think in that sense, it just, you can kind of craft a strategy um, that fits with the note that you're going to, you know, give the seller and all that stuff. So, so cool. Yeah. I think um, yeah. that it does get you to get creative when you're thinking about those kind of things. And um yeah, that mm-hmm. my my I guess I'm calling it the hybrid strategy. That's kind of the route I'm trying to go down, which is uh, long term to kind of cover the cover the costs and midterm to kind of add a bit of a cherry on top um, for a multifamily. Yeah, you know, I love if you're just starting, I love the duplex strategy where one half mm-hmm. is long and one is midterm because then you're kind of mitigating that exactly. constant turnover. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like the sweet spot. And then, you know, obviously smaller multifamily, but a lot of mine are kind of that hybrid it sure. sounds so simple. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the other thing, just a side note is like, so my last property was a duplex. I had this basement that was, it was kind of creepy. Like there was no door and it just, you Air- know, it was just horror had this, like, Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I even like, I haven't had someone come up like, oh, you could never Airbnb this. And I was like, you know what? Like, what if, so then I furnished it and it, the whole, you know, it, the whole vibe like changed just by, you know, adding artwork and some style without major rehab. Like I did some things, like I painted the cabinets and put some hardware up, but the, the vibe of the place changed with the furnishing. I think wow, that's the other yeah. thing I like about midterm is, you know, it's, that's not like when you do rehab, you're talking like pretty big numbers, right? But you can do a lot with how you furnish something in mind. Do you, so, do you have like a, what's yeah. your strategy for furnishing? Is there like a go-to place or uh, things need to be in there or how does that work? Yeah. Um, so the first time I did it, I, I agonized about like, what smart lock, what TV, what mattress. And I just was like, oh, you know, it just took me forever. And the last one, I, it was probably three days and I had it furnished. Right. <laughs> so I have my go-to mattress, you know, um, and I would say, you know, I used to kind of hunt and peck, like go to Facebook marketplace. Oh, there's a chair that's cute. Now I, I try and order as much as I can online. You know, I have a mattress that comes on a box. I have the sheets I like, I'll just orders even you know amazon i mean i know i like i love local i do shop somewhat locally but i think making a list and in my course i have kind of a checklist and ordering as much as you can and really planning ahead so you can get in there and furnish it in like two to three days that's totally possible yeah but you have to really we did our airbnb and my biggest lesson was um i should have treated it like a work project not like a like a weekend project (laughs) and we did it and we did it we were pretty effective but we took way too long to get it stood up it was a little bit silly right because you're like oh i need a coffee maker then you run to like target oh i need like soap or whatever you know all the little things it was just i think for us it was we we were were up in big bear so we had to get a sign off and get an inspection and all that stuff um so we kind of had to go through that process and knowing that we kind of just round the clock out we we took all four quarters to get it set up when really we could have been doing it a lot more effectively um yeah so you you mentioned your course let's let's talk about the course um and the community around it and that kind of circles us back to the brand piece but 
Shona is like super active in in kind of real estate communities and is super like one of the first people to jump forward with advice and stuff. So it's really cool to see. Um, so your your course is it's launched recently, right? Yeah, it's been, I did kind of a beta launch on it and it's been growing. I've been growing the community. I just started a Facebook group for it. So yeah, it's kind of really geared for someone that, you know, ha- I, I'm not covering acquisitions because to me, that's such a broad topic and I didn't want to like skim over that. That's probably a different course down the line, but it's really for someone that has a property or is considering getting into midterms. It's kind of like, you know, how to, how to, you know, how to do a little bit of research, how to furnish it, how to get it up and running quickly, how to advertise it, how to market it, how to book it. And I think it's kind of all the lessons that, you know, the, my first one took me a couple months, right? And now I can in and out. I know how to test the market. I'm very efficient. I, you know, I, I get people in there. I think it's all the tips that I kind of learned that I kind of down, I like, I felt like I downloaded my brain to this course. So it's, you know, video modules. And then I do weekly coaching calls. So I really, you know, people need help or have specific questions. And I I do love that community. Like I love, I think it's a great strategy and I like to help people. So it's really helpful to be part of a community and help people along just getting their first one off the ground. That's so, yeah, that's so helpful. And it's, it's building that confidence, isn't it? And that kind of muscle memory of how to do the next one and the next one. Um, Yeah. Cause the first one is daunting, right? For me, (laughs) in terms of courses, I've, I've really pivoted. So the first real estate course my wife and I did was the real estate rookie bigger pockets. And it was like, started with 80 people and attrition down, filtered us down to about 30, but it was, it okay. was very much like a seminar every every week and then some coursework and then kind mm-hmm. of group connecting, but not really. And now the, the smaller, more niche kind of smaller community driven courses are way more interesting because you get to speak to people like yourself and actually have answers and not just be one of 80 on a phone call going, typing your message. Right, <laughs> right hoping there's yeah. time for your question. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. You know, I never, I never thought about myself as a coach and it's kind of another kind of hat to put on, but over the years I've helped a lot of people just like, if they're moving, I'm like, keep your house as a rental. Here's how you do it. So I've kind of done it very casually and I just kind of formalized it. And I, it is a strategy again, that I really believe in. So it's easy to teach it. Right. If you, if you're really passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's what shines through. And that's, what's really interesting is, um, I, and I guess partly is my journey as as kind of a investor or at least starting to be an investor is you start connecting with people that are passionate about what they do, but they're not, um, it's not just all marketing BS. There's marketing there, but it's not BS. <laughs> yeah. No, I think just, I like to really lead with value. And if I can help someone with a post, that's great. Like I don't, I'm not looking for everyone to be a student, but I just think, yeah, I think that's what it's about. Right. And then you can kind of, someone resonates with what you're saying and they might, you know, sign up. But to me, it's like, if I can add value and inspire someone, that's what it's, what's what I'm in it for. So for sure. I love that. That's amazing. That's the way to go forward. uh, To be fully, (laughs) fully candid, that's kind of where I want to get to. I want to be able to add value to people and, um, that hence the podcast, but hopefully that will be in the future of kind of, you know, leading groups or masterminds or whatever that looks like. It's uh, it's always good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, go for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's kind of, a, I, I don't want to say a calling, but like, I feel compelled to just share what I know. You know, it's funny. I, and I, I'm not, I'm a very, I'm a really big introvert. So it's like very odd to put myself out. There I, I'm so I, yeah. I'm introvert and extrovert. So I do a lot of like just writing for work. 
but I equally can, if I'm pushed, get in front of people and talk and all that stuff. I just, I got to, I got to kind of fancy it on the day and I got to be interested in the topic. I think I have, I think right. I have a take on your point, which is you wanted to just share. I think that's the real estate community. The real estate investing community is, it's a bunch of people that are all like the, I've said this a few times on here. It's like a curtain opens and they go, quick, come here. I've got, I got the gold just here. <laughs> And they, they want to share it because yeah. for the exact same reason you said, people that may not like banks or they may want to break away from the system. I think it's that, that there's a secret club and it's people are like, yeah, come on in. You're interested. Awesome. Come on in. <laughs> right. Well, and it's very intimidating. You, like even the word real estate investor, like you don't, you don't know that you don't need a bunch of money or you don't have to be really wealthy or I don't have generational wealth. It's really there's just so much opportunity if you're willing mm -hmm. to put in the time and educate yourself. I think that's the thing. Yeah. We want to share, like, it's not, it's not exclusive. Like I think people think, I used to think yeah. that I was like, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I love that. Analogy. And if you liked what we've <laughs> shared, reach out to us. So investories, uh, pod cast, no investories pod. Sorry. I always get that wrong on Instagram. Give us a, give us a follow and you can check out our YouTube channel link in the show notes Shona, how can people get in touch with you? Um, I'm kind of all over, but I guess the midtermrentalplaybook.com is where I have all my socials and that's my course. So I have, yeah, I've got other properties, but I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and listen. But yeah, no, I'm using a find Shona Lepis. If you Google me, I'll pop up. So yeah. And I definitely looking to help if anyone has questions about midterms i have a facebook group um but yeah yeah we'll we'll put links to that in the show notes uh on the investories okay. version and uh, i guess this will go out on your your show as well maybe yes for sure yeah no definitely awesome. i will definitely i love that yeah show Don't shona thank you so much for your time yeah this has been yeah. really fun i thanks for having me on we, we've yeah, got to have awesome. you on again Appreciate i think it. and maybe we we keep talking about doing case studies and like running through a deal i think oh, that would I be awesome if, you, yeah. if you're down for that oh definitely i just actually even have a deck where it has a couple like mid long-term midterm right it really breaks down numbers. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, amazing yeah, there you that. go that's super organized <laughs> yeah we we thought about springing it on people on guests but we thought that would be very unpopular right to, Talk me right. through all of your numbers. <laughs> right. But I think, I think, you know, you get on, you hear bigger pockets of people have all these deals. And you're like, well, how did they do that? Right. It's just nice to dive into like a deal and talk about the strategy and actual uh, numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we. <laughs> I had that same yeah. thought. It's like, wait, go back. Can I ask a question? No, you can't. It's a podcast. <laughs> right. Shona, yeah. thank you so much for today. Awesome. Really appreciate your time. And um, we'll be back next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Invest Stories. If you like what you've heard, please consider sharing and writing a five-star review. 